we are just winging it. Yes, we are. Summer, it's officially summer. Can you believe it? Uh, I can believe it. I also want to say that I turned my mic down and I'm already clipping. So that's a great way to start this episode off with a little bit of loud audio. No, I'm, you're, I'm feeling summery. I'm feeling your great. Your wings are being clipped. My wings have been clipped. I've fallen from the sky. Uh, no, to I'm, be fair, I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Yeah, I think the only way to capture Patrick Green on microphone is a clipped Patrick Green. That's true. It that's, fits my brand. Exactly. It fits you know? your brand. Whereas my John Abdullah brand, you know, is probably fairly narrow in terms of the zone of um audio uh what am i trying to say the variability i guess is probably the variability smaller. yeah <laughs> you're you're a lot more even keeled you i'm do a lot have more a predictable porg. you have a porg behind you this week i do you know gradually um stuff has made its way either out of the house because kids don't actually use it and they're now in a place where we'll ask them like you want to give this to someone else now and the porg was one of the stuffed animals that they said they were ready to just give away. And I'm like, I'm not giving that away. That's mine. <laughs> oh, no. No way. Is that the motorized one or is that um, just the regular plushie? Oh, no. Plushie? It's just a, just a plush. Yeah. Okay. But it's, you know, official uh, Disney store. Um, we got the motorized one, John. Of course you do. And uh, and that thing is, uh, it's 45 pounds. So it's it's not, you can't put it on a shelf. It would break the shelf. And it would scream while it was breaking. So it would not be fun. Yeah. It would I, be a scary Zoom that. call. But imagine if mine, even though it's plush, it does not have any batteries or, or anything. Imagine if it did just start speaking and flying away. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Like, you sure you didn't get the motorized one? No, I'm sure. Okay, well, it's talking behind you. How right great now. would that be if, like, people at Disney... You know, some engineer invented, like, he just installed some mechanics in some of the plush toys that, yeah. you know, you think you're just buying, like, a, a fairly cheap, um, you know, and it doesn't do anything for a while, but, like, a year after you buy it, they suddenly start to, like, flap or do things in a subtle way. You just, like, come home from work and you just see them, like, in the hallway going, <laughs> you know, it'd be great. Brilliant. It would be brilliant. Once again, I'm clipping the audio on this episode, John, so we're going to yeah. have to see how this sounds. I mean, you sound delightful to me. To Thank my you. Ears. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but you know, well, you know why? You know why my audio settings are weird. We should Tell fill me. the listeners in on the behind the scenes stuff that That's you true. just experienced forty eight seconds it. ago. Love so, it. so I uh, have my windows open up here because it is summer, as you were alluding to. It is beautiful. There is a cross breeze. Yeah. I just installed a new screen for my window today, which was something that I'm very proud of. It looks All like. Right. It Good looks work. like actual fucking ass. It's like what so. It? It's like so clear that I'm not a handyman. Because like what do you the, mean the install edges... the screen? Aren't there just like two clips that you unclip it on or something like that? No. So so this window is a strange size because as you will know when you visit me at some point in the next 25 years, we're gonna That's figure right. that out. I will someday. Uh, I record in this like hobbit hole office bedroom <laughs> thing up in the second floor of our house that has a roof base. Like you can't tell from where you're sitting, but there's a roof line like right in front of my face right now. Like this is like ah. the corner. So the window is this completely strange size that I've like never seen before. Yeah. It's a, it's a size that like the molding is cut off by the curve of the roof, so by the angle of the roof. So it's just like a mess. Right. So there's nothing that fits it. Um, and in the past, I've had this like little tiny rinky dinky, like accordion style adjustable screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Trademark. great until uh -huh. the hornets come. Right. And then I'm like, I got fucking bugs coming in, like swatting my face off <gasps> uh -huh. during Zoom calls, which is not distracting at all. So uh, I got this like infinitely adjustable screen that basically is a mesh that you like lay over the window itself, put a magnetic wow. strip down. Yeah. But all of this is predicated on somebody taking the time to do a good job. And oh, that's one stuff. thing. Yeah. It's, it's not a me. killer. It's killer. You know, uh, the uh, the first step and a half 
were like, like I had tape measure. I had a lab coat on for some reason. I had goggles, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was like, I have a meeting Beakers. in seven minutes and I haven't finished this yet. And then I just, I just sort of, I winged it. Um, and, uh, I mean, and it was, and it came out like that's shit. classic dadding right there. That's, that's um, exactly right. Aside but you know what? from it's those dads who are like legit carpenters, you know, I feel like that's how it always goes. And it's always the same you know, ambitious, like I can do this, you know, and it starts off so optimistic, at least for me. And then, you know, two hours later, while Bethany's like already, you know, cleaned up after dinner, I'm still going at it, trying to figure something out. And that at that point cursing and, you know, that's just the way it goes. And then you just, you just settle for some, um, less than perfect, far less than perfect outcome. Yeah, and it's like getting dark out, and like yep. it's clearly late enough that you got to get the kids to bed, but like you're still in the middle of building something that you need to finish, and you're gonna forget where you were. For me, it always hits a point with these projects, and there was one for this window, which, mm-hmm. by the way, the reason it affects our audio settings is because there's audible cars outside now. So you're welcome for that ambiance, <laughs> listeners. Um, so when I'm putting something together like this, you know, something extraordinarily complex yes. that has at least three steps in it, <laughs> I feel like there's one, that one step where like they didn't quite explain it correctly. Totally. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh shit, like what else am I not getting? There was one step for this where they never said to trim the plastic edges off, mm, which if you don't killer. do that, right, it's going to look like shit, but they're like trim the screen, trim the magnetic strip, but they're like, just put plastic down. And I'm like, oh, fuck. What now I have to like mean? actually know how to just like intuit that, <laughs> you know? And that oh, was, man. after that, it was downhill because I was like, I'm just going to rush this and, you yeah. know, get it done. Anyway, that's well, life, I'm, you know? I'm glad you have the window open. You can get that fresh air. For me, I have a window open nearby as well. And unfortunately for me right now, it's the smell of uh, like seaweed, I guess, which isn't a particularly great smell. Um, I've moved to the ocean. Uh, <laughs> Are you on the Nautilus right now? No, What's so, the seaweed coming so, from? So this year, so uh, this is now our, our home talk um, segment of the show. So this year I decided to hire a lawn service to just like do some of the fertilizer and weed control on the grass because last right. year I did like my own kind of thing. I found one of these subscription services and I was like, I could do this. And, and, you know, sure enough, the lawn was just like not looking great. So I found a service that does like organic uh, applications. And it turns out one of the, you know, anyone who does this sort of thing, I guess the organic stuff probably knows that they, they for some reason, use seaweed and other like, uh, I don't know, sea products. Yeah. Anemones. <laughs> um, oh, actually, amenities. It's amenony, not anemone. Okay, sure. I just found that out. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I don't even you're know welcome. what the it's, hell you're talking about. A sea Oh, I'm yes. Not, onomatopoeia. I think that, that comes up in Finding Nemo. I remember reading it in the book, and I'm like, I can't read that word. Yeah, it's amenony. 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 Not amenities. Not amenities. No, not amenities. Like what you amenities. find in a hotel website. You know, you look right. at their an- amenities right. page. No, this is an amenony. Anyway, <laughs> they use seaweed and ocean like products. Like M, N, and E. <laughs> It's an acronym, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so they use seaweed products, and and I didn't realize they were coming today. Usually, I get an email, but I, you know, who can keep up with email? Um, yeah, seriously. And so I, I walked upstairs earlier, and I'm like, oh my god, what is that smell? And and of course, you know, it's like filling the house because the all the windows. Were you are like open. Bethany? <laughs> yeah, exactly. She often, you know, comes back from the beach and just stinks the <laughs> Co- place covered up, covered like a fucking swamp thing. <laughs> Sw- <laughs> you gotta uh, wash this off. But you know we're in the summer, so I guess it's appropriate. Um, how did how did the last weeks of school go? I mean, what's life like now? 
life is beachier than it was before. I can I can yeah. attest to the ever present smell of sea products and sunscreen, <laughs> which is which I adore, even though it's disgusting. Yeah. Um. No, it was great. You know, we had. As I mentioned last time, because it was within minutes of it, Henry's graduation from uh, from preschool. Of course. Uh, and now he's in summer mode, so it's kind of an ongoing summer camp preschool program, getting him ready, you know, f- kind of waiting for kindergarten to come. So he's doing water play and stuff, which he's very excited about. He's wearing a bathing suit as I speak. Um, and he had his first ever play date, which I want to talk about in a moment. But to finish up the end of school stuff, Jude wrapped up his school year with uh, an awesome day where they had like a student faculty kickball game. They had a oh, nice. graduation ceremony. They had like all these outdoor activities and uh, and a, a real sense of like optimism of, uh, mm. you know, we made it and there is no online only option even going forward. Everybody's in school again. And who knows what variants and things will look like in the new school year. Probably there will be masks and stuff, but it'll be a lot less oppressive. And I really felt like oh, yeah. uh, it just it have that feeling right now. But how, how about you? How's the end of the school year been for you guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was kind of amazing. Like I I, uh, I got kind of emotional seeing Grace, you know, leave on that final um, day of kindergarten knowing. So they had like a little... Uh, it was supposed to be this like archway that the kids come out of, you know, made out of balloons. It was basically like a Super Bowl, you know, they all just run yeah. out of the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're waiting by the archway and, you know, it was a mess, as you can imagine, all these parents trying to cluster around and it wasn't configured very well. And and we only found out about it like that day they decided right. they were going to do this. Um, and so we're waiting and, you know, some of the classes come out. There's no, there doesn't seem to be any order um, to which class comes out first like some of the older kids came out and we're like waiting and then all of a sudden I look behind me and I see near the door where they usually come out the kindergarten class which has their like designated area right a teacher over there and so apparently the kindergarten isn't going to come through this like glorious um Super Bowl vagina hall so we had to you know we had gotten there early and gotten our seats and all that you know our great uh front row spot and had to move (laughs) over to where they were coming out and it was like a completely um underwhelming just like the same old thing where they just like come out in a daze you know all of a sudden the sun's like beaming on them and they're like looking (laughs) around for where their parent is and that's all it was um but that said we all we did as they came out we clapped you know and there was just this moment (laughs) did they duck (laughs) yeah yeah. what is going on (laughs) (laughs) but it honestly the thing that was emotional for me is that i i i I like reflected back on, you know, being in that moment uh, at the beginning of the school year. And, you know, for us, it was a big deal, of course, because it was Grace's um, kindergarten. First day of kindergarten. First day of kindergarten. And so that first day in September um, was just this like really touching moment where, you know, all these kids who are just like figuring out how to do kindergarten, how to, you know, what school is. Um, and they, they're coming out and all the adults are, are clapping and it was just, um, it was emotional that first time because they're just so cute as they come out, you know? And so I just, I was reflecting back on the year that we've had and, um, now suddenly being with all these parents, you know, without masks, there's masses of people and like did the celebratory kind of like we did it. And of course all the teachers, you know, I can only imagine, um, they're like, <laughs> they're so fucking done with it. You know, they are like, so, they are so clearing ready for out. this. I, I saw teachers, I saw teachers even before the kids had fully left, you know, just like dumping recycle bins full of stuff <laughs> and like getting the fuck out of Dodge, you know, um, it, which I, I don't blame them at all. I don't uh, blame them at all. Can you imagine having been a teacher through this uh, entire year? Like, horrible. holy shit. 
They did yeah. such an amazing job, and they, they really were did so incredible. And they really deserve to not be doing that incredible job. And to, anymore, and as you say, you know? to never, you know, the the not going back to doing the internet thing. Like you can imagine, teachers are like, "Fuck that," you know, like yeah. having to do both the in person <laughs> and the online. Just brutal. I I don't oh know God. how they managed it. I really don't. It's so complicated, and with the cohorting and the flexible Ugh. schedules, I think it, it just—it's teaching is already very complicated. Obviously, yeah, you yeah. know, especially when kids are little, because they're at such different developmental stages, and you know, this is constant toss, you know, tug of war between, you know, should it be really academic or should it be more kind of just like holistic developmental stuff? Some of the kids, you know, are really academically inclined, and some of the kids, like me, you know, are just are breaking dumb. through the wall every ten yeah. minutes, and they're stupid and they get put in a bucket. <laughs> Um, you know, I feel like th- that is already so complicated. There's so many moving parts, all the parents' concerns, all these other things too. And then throw into that all of the shit they had to deal with, with constantly changing. I mean, all of the fucking quarantine windows that we had to go through and people right. getting sent home and the school being dangerous yeah. for teachers in the first yeah. place. There was so much for them. A so couple, yeah, I hope that they all party like crazy this summer. For sure. Yeah, one hilarious thing that also happened uh, a couple weeks before the end of kindergarten, they had this concert at the elementary school that was a Zoom concert where, <laughs> um, you know, the idea was it was a sing-along, but everybody who was watching, you know, they, they can't actually um, have their mic on or anything. Right. So they were just watching and singing. And so they did, you know, a few songs for each grade. <laughs> And Grace was just so excited because the, the music teacher had been talking this up and she's like loves him. He's really funny and she loves music. And so we we join this Zoom <laughs> and they have the fucking, you know, the default Zoom settings, which block out background noise. And it was incredibly blocking out the piano and the guitar. Oh, my God. And only picking up the, the person singing. <laughs> but it was like in a very cut up way because it was trying to block the rhythm right, section. Right. So it was like this bizarre thing where you could <laughs> you could see somebody playing a piano. So you know that, that that's what it's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be hearing. But you only hear a person every now and then like lipping words, you know. <laughs> so, and it was it was just a bizarre thing. And, Gra- <laughs> and so Grace just like gradually, she's like, when is it going to start? You know, and she's like watching it happen. And finally, she just fucking slams the thing shut. And she's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> Um, it was just, it was so sad because I know people prepared for it and, you know, put all this work into it. So it it turned out, so a little later, like a half hour later, we joined just to see what was going on. If there was still like, you know, uh, like awful, I, I, I was hoping I would join and they were either just going to be done with it or they would have fixed it because if they were, if they kept going and nobody could hear, that would just be depressing. Um, but they actually ended up fixing it and and they did, they ended up redoing some songs. Somebody, you know, thankfully got a hold of them. In, in what I imagine to be this like epic scene of uh, multiple people handing some kind of post-it or, or note to another person and getting it to the right person while they're on camera. Right. Um, like a fireman's know. carry with an old-timey like, you know, bucket of water <laughs> getting passed down. We I, I don't I don't remember uh, if I, I don't think I, I talked about this but I had a music premiere um like no a month and a half, how did we not ago, talk about that three months ago yeah it's actually kind of a long time ago I probably should have brought it up yeah you um, probably should have invited uh, me yeah I I, I I yeah I didn't actually yeah well it was a Zoom concert John it wasn't this was I you mean know, I could have joined that that's true you could have clearly the, from my as couch. we say it 
on Zoom to each other right now, you could have yes. been there for it. So it wasn't you two. That I was, I was kind of assuming you wouldn't, you know, be interested because I wasn't fair. Bono. That's but fair. I could have worn a wig for you, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, it was great, and it was uh, it was for a flute student, like a, a prodigious flute student at mm. this conservatory in Weston, Massachusetts. No, yeah, flautist. Yeah, flautist. Flautando. Um, and uh, she was just amazing, and and it was great. It was part of a contemporary music festival where they commissioned some composers to to work with you know students, and they put this whole weekend together. Um, it was great, but you know, all along the way of writing it, there was this constant question of like, what the hell is the, you know, what's going to look like? It's probably not going to be in person. It's probably going to be zoom. If it isn't zoom, is it going to be live with bags or is it going to, cause they, you know, performed in these cocoon bags for a while there, or is it going to be in everybody's what the houses? What are you talking about? Yeah. You never saw videos of this shit? No. These kids like, I mean, just picture yourself in <laughs> high school, right? These kids are teenagers, right? <laughs> Like, you're already, like, the nerdy, arty kid, you know, yeah, in your school, yeah. well, at least speaking personally. Um, so it's already awkward in the first place to get up there and perform in front of your peers. But picture yourself in a giant, translucent garbage bag at the same time. That's really a thing? Yeah, like, a, an, a kind of an ovular garbage, looks like an egg. Uh, and it's it's not actually a garbage bag. I should clarify. They're not of wrapping course. kids in garbage bags. They're, it's like a breathable membrane. But, um, you know, it's in these kids in, with saxophones and marimbas and shit. And this allows them to do the remote, you know, video version of the... Well, this is for in-person stuff. So when they would do oh. an in-person, you know, practice oh, or concert, oh, which is pretty people rare. from COVID, okay. Right. So they would all have their own separate breathing systems, which is obviously not like the most sustainable business model in the world. And it also makes everything look like a fucking B-movie from the 80s. Where like, <laughs> it's just these people in bubbles like all over the place playing weird instruments under lighting. You know, it's just not like a very, you know, uh, no. it doesn't feel like a traditional concert. So anyway, so they didn't do that. So we didn't. But of course, because I'm an idiot, I was like, can we use the bag in the performance? <laughs> I was like, tell me more about the way the bag works. Cause I wanted to have her like slapping the bag while she's playing and stuff. It just, it, it was that just not going to work out well. Yeah. yeah. She was like, I don't like this. Um, so well, the restraining to, uh, order against you. After yeah. She's like, why did I get the weird composer? <laughs> um, so we went to uh, a zoom concert, right. And it was, yeah. it was really good. And it was this whole weekend of zoom, went you know, to, things yeah. <laughs> went to, yeah. got dressed up and sat in the chair that I'm in now, <laughs> which where I always am. Yep. And uh, there was one girl early on who was playing a piano piece. And these these kids are at a conservatory. They're like, you know, very advanced music students. This is a girl who had put, I mean, dozens and dozens of hours into this recital performance. And she was a solo pianist playing this like very intense piece. Wow. And she like sits down and she has like her dress on and her mom is there videotaping and the lighting is perfect in the living room. She like stretches her fingers out. She sits down. No music. She knows it by memory. She's worked so hard on it. And she starts playing and Zoom goes, Bruh! It was like the fucking worst sound. <laughs> and this piece is like 13 minutes long. It's oh, like a, no. a full like movement from a concerto. So for 13 minutes, there's just this girl who has no clue what's happening. And all of the people on the Zoom call are hearing. <laughs> like that. What was it picking up? It was just hyper distorted, I think, because it was on the piano or something. But like it, so the it must wow. have been vibrating with it. Can you it. imagine if that became like a thing after that? I've never heard of a distorted. Can you have an overdriven piano? <laughs> Well, of course, I was like, you know, I, I'm going to write for this. The flautist is like, get me the fuck out of this collaborative yeah, 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 relationship yeah, yeah. before he gets more ideas. Um, so this poor girl, but nobody could tell her this because she, you know, was in the performance and had headphones on, you know, it did not have her headphones on because she was playing piano. So we all just sat there and you can see everybody who's, uh, there's a lot of people on the Zoom call and everybody's heart. just like gradually like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, do we can say Can you imagine if that was her? your child? That would break me. That would be so, so bad. But the good thing is, is that, 
you know, at least in our household and hopefully in her household, that would be something we would laugh about a lot. That's for a true. Long, like in the years to come, we would be laughing about the time that, you know, Jude or Henry unleashed fucking Satan from a piano in front of, because it was a long time for that oh, fucking piano music. That's rough. That's rough. Wow. Anyway, uh, yeah, the Zoom the Zoom concerts, there is something, something to be said for uh, not doing those. Ever again. Anymore. Ever again. Yeah. So here we are. Um, I don't know. What, what do you think? Are the musical demons a good, uh, good segue to our, our topic here? Demons. Actually, yes, because there are demons in the conversation that I'm going to talk about. I would expect there would be. They're, they're typically, you know, if I'm on a show, there's going to be demons coming up at some point. Um, yeah. So for today, I was thinking about talking about fear broadly um, because it's something that uh, I know I've just dealt with a lot during COVID. I think many of us have dealt with a lot of anxiety and a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, that's something that's come up many times on this show. Uh, but also because of the health crisis that we had with Jude that I've sort of alluded to a little bit, um, you know, which included a hospitalization and some things that were kind of freaky, uh, you know, we, Micah and I have been dealing with residual anxiety in a pretty serious way since then where, you know, uh, we're still sort of working through that, getting therapy, which is very helpful, but mm-hmm. also trying, I'm trying to put myself back in the headspace of, you know, what is fear in the first place and like what does anxiety represent to me and what is reasonable and what's not. So I wanted to talk a little bit about working through that with some tools that I found because I feel like uh, we're in a state now where a lot of people are confronting things that were scary for a long time yes. during COVID and having to deal with, is it okay to be in a crowd of people? Um, is and specifically it- for their kids, right? Which is where the fear is magnified because it's one thing if you're talking about, you know, your own mortality or uh, damage or danger, uh, you know, against you. But when it's your kids, like that's obviously as a parent, a whole other level. Right. And and we're in situations now where kids are seeing each other again. Like I mentioned super briefly, Henry had a play date because we had his graduation ceremony and I got everybody's phone number. So he was hanging out with all of these, you know, adorable friends at a playground for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, you know, mostly very comfortable with it. But there was a part of me that was thinking like, oh, shit, like, you know, kids aren't immune yet. There's that weird kind of lingering feeling. So I think it's something we're all navigating a little bit. So so I'm bringing it up oh, for yeah. that. But also because uh, I feel like we had a really good breakthrough in our family with the kids in fear, and specifically Jude, who has been gradually through the last couple of years getting a little more hung up on certain things that he's afraid of. Uh, and, and, you know, in valid ways, because it's okay to be afraid of things. But um, he's been doing a really good job of confronting that lately, and mm. I wanted to sort of uh, talk through that. But before I do, though, how, how are you doing in terms of your overall anxiety level and you and Bethany right now? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think it's there. It, it, and when I say it's there, I mean, you know, this has been an incredibly um, anxiety-filled year for so many reasons, right? I think that in some ways we're feeling relief, you know, the relief of that. Um, but it's also, you know, underneath it all, I think that while we can look ahead to the future and feel really optimistic, what we've just been through has changed us and changed the way we think about, um, our health, our health systems, you know, our, our society. So I guess I haven't truly given it much introspection, you know, and maybe that's (laughs) one of the things I could do in this, uh, in the course of this conversation, but I'm generally, I think feeling less anxious knowing that we're on the other side of this and able to do things in a way that, you know, we haven't been obviously in a while. I also feel good about the fact that we're like through the school year and with that comes, you know, a transition. So 
I guess on the face of it, at least I'm feeling good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm overall doing pretty well too i think the the jude situation kind of triggered some things for me personally uh, but i think yeah that's understandable <laughs> but in, in terms of like general societal stressors like yeah obviously we're in a way better place but i do think that i'm noticing that when i get anxious about something that i'm aware of it now and also mm. aware that i think i was constantly anxious for like the year preceding this yeah and because i didn't have any contrast from it i wasn't really you know there are days now where i'm like very relaxed for the first time in a really long time where I'm like, I'm going to go on a hike and not be doing it to like run from my feelings, but just because like, <laughs> it's a nice day outside. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I, I feel like that w- because of that, when I notice the fear now, I'm, re- I'm really like aware of it. And I think that is a good place to start kind of dealing with it from, but absolutely. You know. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so let me talk about the thing with Jude first. Cause I think that that was kind of cool. Uh, so He's about about a year and a half ago, as you know, he's a big Minecraft player. Um, he saw a video of this like demonic character somebody had built in Minecraft, mm-hmm. who was basically a doppelganger of the protagonist, Steve, okay. um, but had glowing eyes. I didn't know there was a protagonist in Minecraft. There's, yeah, Steve and Alex are like the main, the boy and the girl characters you, you play as. I see. Um, and, Steve, and Steve is, you know, one of the, the the two main characters. So you play as him a lot and the kids identify with him and without, they like Alex more, but. Um, yeah. They, so uh, this demonic Steve version, you know, was put in a lot of YouTube videos as like a creepypasta kind of a thing, you know, that there's this like haunted element in mm. Minecraft. And Jude at some point saw this. I think at his grandparents' house when they were watching YouTube videos about Minecraft and then this came up and he just like very quickly, this became like a nightmare boogeyman for him. Mm. And it and it released a lot of things that to this day I know to avoid with him in media consumption because they will get to him. One of them is doppelgangers. He like does not like if a character it's has- creepy. It is, it's creepy for sure, but he gets like fixated on that. Like mm. if a character looks like another character, but is not that character, yeah. he like does not like that at all. Yeah. Um, I get it. There is something like eerie about that in a way, you know, in a way that's not true of just seeing something that's outright, you know, a creepy character, a scary character. But when it's meant to be a doppelganger, I do feel like there's something in your brain that just perceives that in a more um, disjointed. Obviously, that's the whole point of a doppelganger, but um, interesting. Well, and I think, you know, the idea of a double throughout history goes back for forever. There's been, you know, tons of horror stories about that and and lots of folk tales and things Mm -hmm. about, you know, these mysterious doubles that pop up. And it's, of course, a trope in, you know, contemporary stuff as well. Um, So, yeah, it definitely touches on something kind of elementally scary, I think. But but for Jude, that's been that he really kind of cued onto that and the other thing is glowing eyes he just like does not like when a character's <laughs> eyes are glowing at all he just finds that so scary um which again understandable right right but but for him it became like a like a big thing like he would see this character in this closet at night you know he would be convinced this character was outside the window um you know he w- he was so afraid of it for such a long time and then it led to these other fears when you know in a book there would be like a character with whose eyes were glowing he would be mm. like terrified of it if there was another game we're playing where there's like a double, like there's a boss battle in Doom that we play, you know, we love Doom, the games. 
Yeah, I know, Doom not is, kid friendly. It's legitimately scary. <laughs> Doom is also killing millions of hell spawn demons, but like So that's yeah, understand. But we do love it and, and we play it together and it's and it's something that I, I really enjoy with them. But like at the end of the final downloadable content for Doom Eternal, the new one, like you have to face a doppelganger of yourself, and I was like, with fucking red glowing eyes. And I was like, oh shit. And Jude saw like the preview for it and he was like out, you know. Yeah. So th- this has been kind of building up for him. And uh and I haven't wanted to, you know, to push him on it. But I felt like it was something that we should find a way to confront. So we had to talk about it. And I was mm. like, you know, I, uh, I'm very scared of a lot of things, too, partly because I have a good imagination. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people who make really cool, scary stuff also have a really great ability to scare that's themselves so by thinking yeah. about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in some ways, like, Jude, your ability to get scared is kind of like a power you have because it means that you're able to be in touch with that part of yourself. And it's and it's a normal thing to feel. It's not, you know, it's not an abnormal way to feel. Um, but what I like to do when I'm scared, if I can, is try to, like, make something from it. So, you know, I'll, like, make a, a, a little movie about it or I'll draw something that scares me a lot or I'll make a song about it. I'll write a piece of music about something scary, like the ballet that, you know, we talked about. Like, that mm. was in a lot of ways something that I was afraid of that I was trying to write about. Yes. Um, or I'll do a podcast episode about it, you know, with with my friends. And in doing that, I get some control from it and I can watch that thing go from huge to kind of shrinking down and I can I can put it away in my body, in my mind, and I can say – that's something I'm scared of, but I have some control over it. Right. Mm. And so I thought, how did that go over? It went over really well. Like he was really listening to it, which was good. And I, I was like, you know, (laughs) I even told him as, as I was saying it, I was like, I try not to give you too many life lessons because I think that's a really, you know, presumptuous thing of me to do because I'm still learning myself and, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but there's been a handful of them. Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, Jude, this is one of that handful. The wow, way so that you, you really framed it in a powerful way there, right? I mean, to like yeah. acknowledge that this was one of those. Yeah, I was like, I want you to really remember this for the rest of your life, that you do have some control over your fear. It doesn't have to control you. You just have to find out how to how to control it yourself, you know? Yeah. So I woke up the next morning, uh, and it, the kids always, you know, they, they come down and sort of snuggle with us in bed, and then they usually fire up Minecraft while we're kind of getting ready and stuff. Yeah which is so cute. And uh, and Jude had created this character in Minecraft with a character creator. And I have never seen him that, in my whole life, I've never terrifying? seen him that proud. It was fucking horrifying, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, Henry is in on it, too, because Henry has always loved this character. So, like, Henry's fine with it. So Henry made a baby version of it with, like, like baby legs and oh, stuff. Which is creepier, right? Which is even fucking scary. I know, I'm like, guys, this is terrifying. But they, uh, they, were, they became these characters, and Jude, like, was so excited about that mm. and was coming up with storylines about these characters and started drawing him. And he was like, you know, it'd be cooler if I gave him, like, this hat. You know, I could make him look even scarier. And to this day now, this was last week, he has been con- not afraid of it anymore, for one thing, but specifically passionate about it. Like, passionate wow. about learning why it scared him so much. What a breakthrough. That's about, amazing. Like, and right? I mean, it's inspiring. I, you know... It really resonates because I feel like there's something there um, at a higher level in terms of whether it applies to fear or other emotions that we have where, in a sense, um, and this is no like revelatory statement, but art allows us to work through those things in a way that more logical thinking and i don't know if this i don't know if this is like a left brain right brain some people maybe are more analytical and reason you know reason would would be a way to work through something that's probably true but i think art there's a special place there for art 
um, to help you work through, and this applies to adults too, help you work through emotions in a way that um, you may not understand fully, right? Like it allows you to process it in terms that aren't simple sort of logic, you know, words <laughs> basically. Um, and I think that's powerful. I think that if we can help our kids learn how to process that in whatever art form resonates with them, um, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't um, come across that myself. And now that I even say these words, it feels obvious if you think about art therapy, for example, you know, that's a big thing with kids, right? To have them rather than just sit there and talk through something, um, have them just draw a picture and have a conversation about that. And it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, and I'm, I'm curious in the process of doing that, um, how have you thought about your own fear? Ha have you applied some of that? Because obviously you are an artist and you, you know, you gave him that lesson, um, gave him that lesson, uh, imparted that wisdom because you Bequeathed have yeah, him. exactly. Yeah. Because you've done, you know, you've done that. But I, I have found that when in those moments where you're giving a child advice, it's also, isn't it also in a way advice to yourself and how to do that? Like, Oh yeah. You know, I've never articulated this, but this is the role that art plays in my life. So, I mean, have you, have you found that that's been uh, helpful for you to work through some of that fear? I think so, yeah. And, and I think you're absolutely right that a lot of the time when we give these sort of lesson moments to children, like, I wasn't planning on saying that to him. Yeah. I, I didn't have like a notebook where I'm like, this is my life lesson for the week of blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> it was more that like at this point in my life, having been through the things that I've been through, I have come to this little nugget of actual wisdom on something, finally, right? <laughs> And that's part of the idea of being a parent, I think, is figuring out what that wisdom actually is and putting it in a way that will allow your kids to have that journey to that wisdom moment themselves too, right? Mm -hmm. um, I haven't, you know, yet gotten to the point where I'm like ready to make art out of not just the health situation that Jude had, but COVID and stuff like the the, the things that we've been dealing with. Like I've I've kind of retreated into. Um, comfort a lot just yeah. getting a lot of time with the kids and with micah to you know be together and to do stuff together but i'm sure at some point you know i have a book of poetry that micah's been uh, reading and she's recommended to me that's written by a doctor about covid it's called if god is a virus mm. uh i don't remember who the author is but she's supposedly really great the poet rather so I, i'm gonna set some of those you know uh and potentially approach the the author about getting them performed at some point yeah yeah um but there is something you're right there's something about the act of creation that is, I think, really important because art and creativity are things that operate outside of the realm of logical space, right? That's right. If it were just logic, it would be science, right? It would be, or it would be engineering. Those things are, there's art in those disciplines, but they're, of but there's the logical application of, of knowledge and learned rules to a system, right? But art, a lot of the time, emerges when those rules transmogrify or they get bent or they become. You know, there's a spontaneous moment where something intersects and you're like, oh, I, I couldn't have done that if I'd just been thinking about it. I had to, yes. to make something somehow. Yes. And, um, you know, anybody who's ever cried listening to a song with lyrics that they haven't lived through themselves knows that, right? Like uh, the art touches us in a very special way. So, yeah. So I think that that going forward is something that I'm going to continually try to do with the kids. And, and they've both been applying it to other things since then, just on their own. Um, you know, like Jude's next big project is he's going to make, <coughs> sorry about that. He's going to make that final boss character from Doom and, <laughs> and Henry's like very on board with that. So Henry's going to help him make like the hellscape that this is going to happen in. And, um, yeah, I, I just feel like that's 
really great. But it brings me to something else I want to say, which is that to create something, you have to acknowledge its existence in the first place. Yes. To create a response to something, you have to be aware that you're responding, right? Mm -hmm. To have a conversation with something, you have to be listening to it. And that is something that I think as a society, to make a huge, ridiculous generalization, I think we're getting really bad at that. I think we're getting really good at, and this is not bemoaning, uh, you know, psycho, you know, uh, psychoactive medications, <laughs> having been a patient on them myself in my lifetime. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with antidepressants or anti-anxiety or things like that. Right, right, right. But I think that we are <clears throat> becoming a little bit uh, reliant on this idea that if we are feeling anxious or we're feeling depressed, it's something we have to like get rid of, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. And I fall prey to that all the time. Like if I'm feeling depressed about something and it's going on for more than a couple of days and I'm feeling kind of off because of it, I'm not eating as much, I get like a very afraid of it and I go and I call my therapist, you know? And we have to talk through it. And if that doesn't work, then then like I, I start thinking maybe I need to go back on an antidepressant because who knows, this could take over my life, right? Our immediate uh, reaction to that discomfort is, make, you know, make it go away, make it stop, right? It's like in the same way that the fear, you know, kids will respond in that way where it's just like turn that off or, or you know. Um, I mean, Grace, like even for a while, she couldn't even watch like a, you know, Pixar or Disney movie that had a scary scene in it um, because it was just it was something she couldn't get through. And, and, you know, in those instances where we tried to help her just like get through that, she ended up enjoying whatever it was. But I, I, I like where you're going. And I think there too, there's an important lesson and, and one that we we've tried to focus on with grace quite a bit um, around also like holding competing feelings because oftentimes mm. fear is also there can be excitement, you know, and that's a classic example, right? I mean, the reason why things like doom or, or horror movies or any of that um, succeed is because there's a thrill, you know, there's some excitement there. And so um, the other thing that we often, you know, as a society can be bad about is um, just, just (laughs) thinking in binary terms. Right. So you're either afraid or you're brave, you know, like that's not, that's not true. (laughs) You know, to be brave is actually to be afraid and still sort of um, lean into that. And, yeah, that's another one that, you know, is so tricky with kids, but I, I feel really passionately about that in particular. Like, I think about lessons that we impart, and that to me is one of the most important, the non-binary thinking, right? Like, it's okay to feel happy about school ending and sad. And, you know, Grace has expressed those emotions, and, like, that's just a more complex way of thinking and, and the reality, I think, of, like, life. But we're often told that that's not the case you know we're often Mm -hmm. just like we divide things very clear-cut and we can see how that's played out in society of course um when it comes to politics and other issues as well and it's a lot easier to live your life in black and white right until it's not all of a sudden right Right, right. it's a lot easier to live your to raise kids like that until it's not This is the first day I have not taken allergy medicine <laughs> since this beginning of spring. And clearly I should have still been on allergy medicine because <laughs> I can't stop coughing. <clears throat> but well, um, hopefully in this conversation about fear, you don't just like keel over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many how many times has that do you think that's happened in, in Zoom meetings over the last year and a half where like people have actually died on camera and other another person was left just like having to call on their behalf or something, you know? Like you know that's it's happened. Definitely happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope it doesn't happen right now. It might be happening now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. Um, no, it, it is re- it is really important, and you're saying something that I, I really hope people are taking to heart, 
which is that you can hold oppositional things in your heart at the same time, and it's not a bad thing. But I do want to circle back for a minute because there are times where psychiatric intervention and medication, and I know you're in agreement on this, that that is when it's a clinical situation like that, obviously that's yeah. different. What's What's not though is if you have moments in your life where you're afraid of something, that actually is validation that you're present, right? Mm. If you're if you're present enough to be scared, it means you're paying attention to things in the first place, right? If you're feeling sad and you're aware of it, it means you're also aware that you were happy before that, right? right? If you're present in your mind and in your body, you're supposed to experience the vicissitudes of an emotional life every single day as it unfolds without being without retreating from it. Um so I've been trying to to do a better job of that personally especially in dealing with residual anxieties, not just from COVID and the election and, you know, and, you know, racial injustice and all these things that are stressing us out and famine and blah, blah, blah. But um, also from, you know, my kid being hospitalized, being very ill. Um, <clears throat> so to deal with that, uh, what, something that I've been doing a lot is uh, is going back to, to Thich Nhat Hanh, who I brought up on the show a while back. Yeah. Uh, who's a Buddhist monk. He's about 74,000 years old. Uh, still alive, though. Still looks good. He still looks great. Yeah, no, he's actually he's he's approaching a hundred. Um, wow, really? He is, yeah. And uh, and he is just a he's a, a wonderful. You know, he's a, what happens an advocate when you're anxiety for, free, right? When you live your life in in the present. I mean, you know, and also you have a vegetarian diet and you're not <laughs> doing any of the typical, right? You know, you're not walking in traffic in a busy city or something. But <clears throat> um, he says uh, a lot of really, really important things about mindfulness and being present and about dealing with feelings. And, you know, and, and one of the things that I've been referring back to a lot is this notion of, uh, of fear or an unwanted, quote unquote, feeling being treated as a child. Mm. So uh, I wanted to, 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 as a baby, I wanted to read a little bit of that and then maybe get some of your thoughts on it before we close. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> so this is from Pieces Every Step, which is a book that he wrote uh, in the 90s. It's super, super good. It's basically a series of meditations. So you're supposed to like read, you know, part of a chapter and then go and do a breathing exercise mm. or a meditation about it. Yeah. <coughs> oh my God, I'm or sorry just about cough the coughing. Wildly or just cough. Man, this is a <clears throat> That's bad probably a, a type of, a style of breathing, a coughing exercise. Technically, it's percussive breathing. You're absolutely <laughs> right. This is actually part of today's <laughs> lesson, everybody. Uh, All right, so this is from Pieces Every Step. He says, <clears throat> on transforming feelings. The first step in dealing with feelings is to recognize each feeling as it arises. The agent that does this is mindfulness. In the case of fear, for example, you bring out your mindfulness, look at your fear, and recognize it as fear. You know that fear springs from yourself and that mindfulness also springs from yourself. They are both in you, not fighting, but one taking care of the other. <clears throat> Which is, of course, what you were saying, right? Mm -hmm. It's two things that seem contradictory, but they're not. They're both inside of you and they're both part of you the second step is to become one with the feeling it's best not to say go away fear i don't like you you are not me it is much more effective to say hello fear how are you today then you can invite the two aspects of yourself mindfulness and fear to shake hands as friends and become one doing this may seem frightening but because you know that you are more than just your fear you need not be afraid as long as mindfulness is there it can chaperone your fear the fundamental practice is to nourish your mindfulness with conscious breathing to keep it there alive and strong. Although your mindfulness may not be very powerful in the beginning, if you nourish it, it will become stronger. Um, and then 
uh, he talks about fear being a child. He says, the third step is to calm the feeling. As mindfulness is taking good care of your fear, you begin to calm it down. You breathe in, say, breathing in, I calm the activities of body and mind. You calm your feeling just by being with it like a mother tenderly holding her crying baby. Uh, and then I'll summarize what he says about that to come. Basically, he says that if a baby's crying in another room, and any parent listening to this remembers what that was like, right? Mm-hmm. The babies should be asleep, but there's crying going on. That is sort of the fear in the back of our mind. That's that creeping anxiety. Or, you know, for me, I have all these intrusive thoughts when I'm anxious. I just start thinking like, what if, what if, what if, what if. Yeah. That's a baby crying in another room, right? And that baby is is a part of you. It's a part of your life and it's crying and you need to do something about it because that baby is not just going to go to sleep, you know, unless you give it, you know, a very long time to scream itself to sleep because it's sleep training or something. But what you do if you're present is you go into the room because you've heard the baby crying in the first place and you hold it close and you recognize it for what it is, which is, you know, a valid, beautiful in its own way thing that exists in that moment. And you look at it and you're able to realize like, hey, it is separate from me. It's something that I'm holding that I've chosen to hold up and I'm going to be with it presently. Mm. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to look at this baby and we're going to spend this time together. Uh, and that way, in doing that, you're recognizing it as a valid thing that you have some degree of control over and you're able to calm it down, get it to stop crying because you're present and then you put it to sleep again and you know that that baby is still there in the other room and you know that that baby could wake up crying again and if it does, that's a normal thing for babies to do, right? Yes. Fear and anxiety are normal things for us to feel. They might be frightening and they might be anxiety producing, but they're real and they're, and they're normal. So I think uh, this is you know a good reminder to myself and to a lot of us that when we do feel those things, like we don't have to shove them back down again. You know, we shouldn't you know, medicate ourselves with alcohol or whatever to forget about it. You know, we shouldn't just change the subject. We should go pay attention because that baby will keep crying until it either somehow puts itself to sleep later on or you go and hold it. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that's what, do you have any thoughts on that? I love that metaphor. <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, it really, it makes sense. You know, it's like so much of, um, I was thinking about how so much of maybe the first half of my life, you know, and I think a lot of us um, grow up thinking that we don't have control over our emotions. You know, emotions are there, right? And you just have them. <laughs> um, and it was sort of an epiphany to, you know, in the, in the second half of my life or whatever, later in life to realize that you kind of do, you know, and it's not like in a way that e- the control may be the wrong word. Um, you know, even early in that quote, you read, you said the word, uh, I think dealing with emotions and that's often how we think of it, right? It's like, got to deal with it. And it has this sort of negative connotation. Um, but, but to give it, you know, space to just be in in the way that you would a, a baby in that moment, you know, that's crying, just be with it is so underrated and under, um, appreciated. I think, you know, it's like, just being aware of that. I, I've definitely noticed this and it, it is so it's so true that, you know, the act of mindfulness, if you're really practicing it regularly, you may not even know consciously that it has an effect. You know, every morning I try to spend 10 minutes each morning just doing some basic meditation. Hip um, thrusts. Yeah, hip thrusts, that as well. And and it's over time that you recognize, oh, wow, in that moment when I'm angry, I still have those feelings, but I recognize them and that's it. I don't try to change them. You know, those days are gone. Like I just, I just know that I am and, and just, just the recognition of it can go so far. Um, and so again, I think about then how do we help our kids get there? You know, cause it's tough. 
and sometimes I think I'm just too direct about a lot of it. You know, like Grace mm-hmm. in particular can be an anxious kid. Um, and in the moments where they are anxious, that's where I often try to like help her calm down, like breathe or whatever. And she's always just like doesn't want to have it, you know? She's not, doesn't want to address it in that moment. And I, I right, can't help right. but think, well, maybe what I need to do is, you know, focus more on those um, moments where she's not and, and just focus on like helping children um recognize their emotions right like how are you feeling right now maybe that's all we really have to do and by doing that often um there would be some you know recognition of it and and uh <laughs> the other direction my brain just went in i don't know if you've heard of this about dreams but you can apparently do this in in life where you uh while you're awake you constantly check in with yourself to say i'm awake right now and by doing that mm-hmm. regularly you actually can um control your your dream state to some extent so that when you're dreaming you ask that question and you realize i'm dreaming right now and you can like anyway <laughs> lucid dream yeah 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 yep. uh, i've not tried that but you know apparently that's a thing. i'm not good at it but i have tried that i, I i'm not surprised yeah. to hear that you've tried it um <laughs> that feels like something you would do <laughs> it does yeah um so anyway i i think there is so much to it and you know it's tough with kids because I, at least I'm finding with the anxiety, um, there's so much to be anxious about right now in the world and that'll just increase. And, and I want to help my kids build some of these tools that, you know, we only maybe discovered later in life, but I think are so critical to just like being a healthy person and not right. trying to tamp down or, um, you know, just like hide what what is there really and what who you should be. And the thing is, is that you can't do it for them. And that's part of the frustrating yeah, part, right? There's yeah. a lot of things in parenthood, especially with young kids <clears throat> that we can do for them, right? Right. We can tie their shoes until they figure it out. You know, we can put their sunscreen on until they get used to doing it themselves. Wipe their shit. Mm-hmm. We can wipe their assholes. You know, we can make their lunch in the morning. We can drive them to school. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we actually do have some degree of control over, but we don't have control over what's going on in their mind no matter how much we think we do. And a lot of parents, I think, try to convince themselves that if I just ask if they're okay... Right. If I just talk to them, Completely. that that's that that's enough. But the reality is, is, is it's not. And the kids themselves have to have some sort of a vocabulary and a tool set that's normalized to do it on their own. So the last thing I wanted to say before we close out, <clears throat> um, I watched a documentary that's really good and, and devastating called uh, American Tragedy. And it's mm. it focuses on the Columbine shooting wow. through the lens of the mother of Dylan Klebold. Oh, um, wow. It's extraordinary. She's gone on to become an advocate for mental health awareness and kids Amazing. and for mindfulness yeah. education to try to like figure out what, because he was raised in a loving household where the right. family was together all the time and it was totally normal, but he was dealing with all of these things internally that of course led him to perpetrate incredibly violent, horrific acts. So she's, you know, haunted by this idea of like, what could I have done differently? And she's gone on this campaign. I really recommend you watch the movie. It's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds it. But it focuses um, part of it on mindfulness education in young children and in some pilot programs around the country where they do basic mindfulness exercises with toddlers and with, you know, preschoolers and, and things. And it shows how the teachers do it with them. And I was so inspired by it that we started doing it in our own house as of today, because I just watched wow. this thing. So the thing you were I've just talking about, yeah. you were, you were just, you were, is a perfect transition to this because it starts with this idea of how are you feeling, but not ending it with, I'm good, right? It, it's an exercise of using what they call feeling language. Mm. So 
talking through the way you feel in a more complicated way. And I noticed that when the teachers do this with these young kids, they're uh, they're you know helping the kids. It's they're doing it in a sort of uh, Socratic manner. So they'll be like, "Who wants to tell me you know how they're feeling today?" Right? Yeah. So of, of course, the second you start talking like a teacher to the kids, they pipe up and they raise their hands. Right. And so <laughs> like this with morning, us adult, uh, parents, yeah, yeah, I'm like somebody else. Fucking talk about it. But this morning I did it with Jude and Henry before uh, you know before we dropped Henry off, <clears throat> and I was like, uh, you know, so who, so who can tell me how they're feeling today? And they both like had their hands up and we talked about it. And Jude was like, you know, well, I'm feeling really excited because we're going to the skate park. Uh, I feel hopeful because I know I have a sleepover at Nona Pop Pops this weekend. Mm. I feel hungry, but I think that's because I haven't had breakfast yet. But I feel hungry a lot because I'm a growing kid. Um, and I feel I feel happy. And I was like, so can you tell me more about how you feel happy? And he was like, I feel happy because I feel relaxed and it's a nice day and it feels good. And so then I'm like, Henry, do you want to tell us how you feel? And he goes, I feel bad, dad, because <laughs> he's Henry. And I was like, oh, what do you Henry. mean? He's like, my legs hurt because he has a little cut on his <laughs> legs. And he's like, and I'm hungry, too. And I'm tired. And then everything Jude said. And Jude had also said that he felt energized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Henry was like, I feel emojicized. Uh, and I was like, that's that's a good thing to feel energized. He's emojicized. like, yeah, it's a good so thing. So cute. So, but instead of just leaving it at that, I was like, so tell me about what Jude said he was feeling that you feel too. And he was like, I feel happy about the sleepover. I feel excited that it's almost the weekend. And and we had never had like an in-depth exploration of why they feel that way. And that like, as soon as we did that, this is just a couple of hours ago. I was like, that is a thing we're doing all the time with our kids. I love it. Right. One, one, one alteration that I was just thinking about um, that I want to try out is what are you feeling? Because I think the... The how part often, at least for me, leads directly to that place of like good or bad, right? Mm. Um, and and the and what I heard you get at is is anything they're feeling. Like, what are you feeling? I don't know if that'll yeah. actually make any difference, but it just feels to me like it would. I want to try it as an adult, you know, yeah. in my own brain, right? Because like so often we're feeling so many things that we don't acknowledge, right? And just by by saying what are you feeling, or you know, I don't know. It just feels I like, like the a what swap. I think I'm going to do that practice, too because you're right. Yeah. It, it it's less uh, presumptive, right? Right. It right. can be open ended that way. Ugh, and it's so much more open ended than how I often, you know, I'm often like, "Are you excited? You know, are, are you feeling yeah. good?" Like I I always bias it, and every time I'm like, "Why do I do that?" You know. Um, so I'll, I'm and in try doing that, that we're basically in, enforcing a bias on their answer, right? You're, like you're oh, saying, completely. and we're also making it clear that they should be coming quote unquote from a place where they're happy. Right. And if it's not, that's a problem, right? Yes. So is everybody excited? And if one of the kids goes, eh, I'm like fucking offended by it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I made these plans, you know, <laughs> when in reality, like we should also be looking at ourselves and thinking like it is a beautiful, I mean, it is a significantly better thing. If our kids are expressing that they're not excited about something. So to me, true. So right? true. Mm -hmm. Because I never felt like I wanted to do that, especially when I was a teenager, obviously I was an asshole. So like, you know, I wasn't yeah, excited about anything. Yeah. But when you're a little kid who kind of should, quote unquote, be excited about a lot of things, if you're not, that moment of being honest about it is like such an honest expression of an internal dialogue that we were not privy to before that. And that is a moment to explore with them and have them teach us. You know, Completely. so yeah, I think Completely. I think that is a, a really good uh, a really good way to to end it and to and to say uh, let's see how this goes. Let's both try this exercise. You know, I would love to. Yeah, as 
long as I don't immediately forget it after this, which is usually what happens, because <laughs> I apparently have the memento uh, syndrome or whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tattoo it on my arm, though. What yeah, are you Yeah, you got to just put post-it notes on the mirror. You'll, you'll yeah. see it. That'll work. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank we'll you, my get, friend. We'll, we'll work through it, as always. Sounds good. Keep Bye. winging it, everybody. Bye.